Chapter Fifteen of the Mind and Its Education. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Mind and Its Education by George Herbert Betts. Chapter Fifteen The Emotions. Feeling and emotion are not to be looked upon as two different kinds of mental processes in fact emotion is but a feeling state of a high degree of intensity and complexity emotion transcends the simpler feeling states whenever the exciting cause is sufficient to throw us out of our regular routine of affective experience the distinction between emotion and feeling is a purely arbitrary one since the difference is only one of complexity and degree and many feelings may rise to the intensity of emotions a feeling of sadness on hearing the number of fatalities in a railway accident may suddenly become an emotion of grief if we learn that a member of our family is among those killed a feeling of gladness may develop into an emotion of joy or a feeling of resentment be kindled into an emotion of rage one the producing and expressing of emotion nowhere more than in connection with our emotions are the close interrelations of mind and body seen all are familiar with the fact that the emotion of anger tends to find expression in the blow love in the caress fear in flight and so on but just how our organism acts in producing an emotion is less generally understood. Professor James and Professor Lang have shown us that emotion not only tends to produce some characteristic form of response, but that the emotion is itself caused by certain deep-seated physiological reactions. Let us seek to understand this statement a little more fully physiological explanation of emotion we must remember first of all that all changes in mental states are accompanied by corresponding physiological changes hard concentrated thinking quickens the heartbeat keen attention is accompanied by muscular tension certain sights or sounds increase the rate of breathing offensive odors produce nausea and so on so complete and perfect is the response of our physical organism to mental changes that one psychologist declares it possible had we sufficiently delicate apparatus to measure the reactions caused throughout the body of a sleeping child by the shadow from a passing cloud falling upon the closed eyelids the order of the entire event resulting in an emotion is as follows one something is known some object enters consciousness coming either from immediate perception or through memory or imagination this fact or thing known must be of such nature that it will too set up deep-seated and characteristic organic response three the feeling accompanying and caused by these physiological reactions constitutes the emotion for example we may be passing along the street in a perfectly common equable state of mind 
when we come upon a teamster who is brutally beating an exhausted horse because it is unable to draw an overloaded wagon up a slippery incline the facts grasped as we take in this situation constitute the first element in an emotional response developing in our consciousness but instantly our muscles begin to grow tense the heart beat and breath quicken the face takes on a different expression the hands clench the entire organism is reacting to the disturbing situation the second factor in the rising emotion the physiological response thus appears along with our apprehension of the cruelty and the organic disturbances which result we feel waves of indignation and anger surging through us this is the third factor in the emotional event or the emotion itself in some such way as this are all of our emotions aroused origin of characteristic emotional reactions why do certain facts or objects of consciousness always cause certain characteristic organic responses in order to solve this problem we shall have first to go beyond the individual and appeal to the history of the race what the race has found serviceable the individual repeats but even then it is hard to see why the particular type of physical response such as shrinking pallor and trembling which naturally follows stimuli threatening harm should be the best it is easy to see however that the feeling which prompts to flight or serves to deter from harm's way might be useful it is plain that there is an advantage in the tense muscle the set teeth the held breath and the quickened pulse which accompany the emotion of anger and also in the feeling of anger itself which prompts to the conflict but even if we are not able in every case to determine at this day why all the instinctive responses and their correlate of feeling were the best for the life of the race we may be sure that such was the case for nature is inexorable in her dictates that only that shall persist which has proved serviceable in the largest number of cases an interesting question arises at this point as to why we feel emotion accompanying some of our motor responses and not others perceptions are crowding in upon us hour after hour memory thought and imagination are in constant play and a continuous motor discharge results each moment in physical expressions great or small yet in spite of these facts feeling which is strong enough to rise to an emotion is only an occasional thing if emotion accompanies any form of physical expression why not all let us see whether we can discover any reason one day i saw a boy leading a dog along the street all at once the dog slipped the string over its head and ran away the boy stood looking after the dog for a moment and then burst into a fit of rage what all had happened the moment before the dog broke away everything was running smoothly in the experience of the boy there was no obstruction to his thought or his plans then in an instant the situation changes the smooth flow of experience is checked and baffled the discharge of nerve currents which meant thought plans action is blocked 
a crisis has arisen which requires readjustment the nerve currents must flow in new directions giving new thought new plans new activities the dog must be recaptured it is in connection with this damming up of nerve currents from following their wanted channels that the emotion emerges or putting it into mental terms the emotion occurs when the ordinary current of our thought is violently disturbed where we meet with some crisis which necessitates a readjustment of our thought relations and plans either temporarily or permanently the duration of an emotion if the required readjustment is but temporary then the emotion is short-lived while if the readjustment is necessarily of longer duration the emotion also will live longer the fear which follows the thunder is relatively brief for the shock is gone in a moment and our thought is but temporarily disturbed if the impending danger is one that persists however as of some secret assassin threatening our life the fear also will persist the grief of a child over the loss of someone dear to him is comparatively short because the current of the child's life has not been so closely bound up in a complexity of experiences with the lost object as in the case of an older person and hence the readjustment is easier the grief of an adult over the loss of a very dear friend lasts long for the object grieved over has so become a part of the bereaved one's experience that the loss requires a very complete readjustment of the whole life in either case however as this readjustment is accomplished the emotion gradually fades away emotions accompanying crises in experience if our description of the feelings has been correct it will be seen that the simpler and milder feelings are for the common run of our everyday experience they are the common valuers of our thought and acts from hour to hour the emotions or more intense feeling states are however the occasional high tide of feeling which occurs in crises or emergencies we are angry on some particular provocation we fear some extraordinary factor in our environment we are joyful over some unusual good fortune two the control of emotions dependence on expression since all emotions rest upon some form of physical or physiological expression primarily and upon some thought back of this secondarily it follows that the first step in controlling an emotion is to secure the removal of the state of consciousness which serves at its basis this may be done for instance with a child either by banishing the terrifying dog from his presence or by convincing him that the dog is harmless the motor response will then cease and the emotion pass away if the thought is persistent however through the continuance of its stimulus then what remains is to seek to control the physical expression and in that way suppress the emotion if instead of the knit brow the tense muscles the quickened heartbeat and all the deeper organic changes which go along with these we can keep a smile on the face the muscles relaxed the heartbeat steady and a normal condition in all the other organs we shall have no cause to fear an explosion of anger 
if we are afraid of mice and feel an almost irresistible tendency to mount a chair every time we see a mouse we can do wonders in suppressing the fear by resolutely refusing to give an expression to these tendencies inhibition of the expression inevitably means the death of the emotion this fact has its bad side as well as its good in the feeling life for it means that good emotions as well as bad will fade out if we fail to allow them expression we are all perfectly familiar with the fact in our own experience that an interest which does not find means of expression soon passes away sympathy unexpressed ere long passes over into indifference even love cannot live without expression religious emotion which does not go out in deeds of service cannot persist the natural end and aim of our emotions is to serve as motives to activity and missing this opportunity they have not only failed in their office but will themselves die of inaction relief through expression emotional states not only have their rise in organic reactions but they also tend to result in acts when we are angry or in love or in fear we have the impulse to do something about it and while it is true that emotions may be inhibited by suppressing the physical expressions on which it is founded so many a state of emotional tension be relieved by some forms of expression none have failed to experience the relief which comes to the overcharged nervous system from a good cry there is no sorrow so bitter as a dry sorrow when one cannot weep a state of anger or annoyance is relieved by an explosion of some kind whether in a blow or its equivalent in speech we often feel better when we have told a man what we think of him at first glance this all seems opposed to what we have been laying down as the explanation of emotion yet it is not so if we look well into the case we have already seen that emotion occurs when there is a blocking of the usual pathways of discharge for the nerve currents which must then seek new outlets and thus result in the setting up of new motor responses in the case of grief for example there is a disturbance in the whole organism the heartbeat is deranged the blood pressure diminished and the nerve tone lowered what is needed is for the currents which are finding an outlet in directions resulting in these particular responses to find a pathway of discharge which will not produce such deep-seated results this may be found in crying the energy thus expended is diverted from producing internal disturbances likewise the explosion in anger may serve to restore the equilibrium of disturbed nerve currents relief does not follow if images held before the mind all this is true however only when the expression does not serve to keep the idea before the mind which was originally responsible for the emotion a person may work himself into a passion of anger by beginning to talk about an insult and as he grows increasingly violent bringing the situation more and more sharply into his consciousness the effect of terrifying images is easily to be observed in the case of one's starting to run when he is afraid after night 
there is probably no doubt that the running would relieve his fear providing he could do it and not picture the threatening something as pursuing him but with his imagination conjuring up dire images of frightful catastrophes at every step all control is lost and fresh waves of terror surge over the shrinking soul growing tendency toward emotional control among civilized peoples there is a constantly growing tendency toward emotional control primitive races express grief joy fear or anger much more freely than do civilized races this does not mean that primitive man feels more deeply than civilized man for as we have already seen the crying laughing or blustering is all but a small part of the whole physical expression and one's entire organism may be stirred to its depths without any of these outward manifestations man has found it advisable as he has advanced in civilization not to reveal all he feels to those around him the face which is the most expressive part of the body has come to be under such perfect control that it is hard to read through it the emotional state although the face of civilized man is capable of expressing far more than is that of the savage the same difference is observable between the child and the adult the child reveals each passing shade of emotion through his expression while the adult may feel much that he does not show three cultivation of the emotions there is no other mental factor which has more to do with the enjoyment we get out of life than our feelings and emotions the emotions and enjoyment few of us would care to live at all if all feeling were eliminated from human experience true feeling often makes us suffer but in so far as life's joys triumph over its woes do our feelings minister to our enjoyment without sympathy love and appreciation life would be barren indeed moreover it is only through our own emotional experience that we are able to interpret this feeling side of the lives about us failing in this we miss one of the most significant phases of social experience and are left with our own sympathies undeveloped and our life by so much impoverished the interpretation of the subtler emotions of those about us is in no small degree an art the human face and form present a constantly changing panorama of the soul's feeling states to those who can read their signs the ability to read the finer feelings which reveal themselves in expression too delicate to be read by the eye of the gross or unsympathetic observer lies at the basis of all fine interpretation of personality feelings are often too deep for outward expression and we are slow to reveal our deepest selves to those who cannot appreciate and understand them how emotions develop emotions are to be cultivated as the intellect or the muscles are to be cultivated namely through proper exercise our thought is to dwell on those things to which proper emotions attach and to shun lines which would suggest emotions of an undesirable type emotions which are to be developed must 
as has already been said find expression we must act in response to their leadings else they become but idle vaporings if love prompts us to say a kind word to a suffering fellow-mortal the word must be spoken or the feeling itself fades away on the other hand the emotions which we wish to suppress are to be refused expression the unkind and cutting word is to be left unsaid when we are angry and the fear of things which are harmless left unexpressed and thereby doomed to die the emotional factor in our environment much material for the cultivation of our emotions lies in the everyday life all about us if we can but interpret it few indeed of those whom we meet daily but are hungering for appreciation and sympathy lovable traits exist in every character and will reveal themselves to the one who looks for them miscarriages of justice abound on all sides and demand our indignation and wrath and the effort to right the wrong evil always exists to be hated and suppressed and dangers to be feared and avoided human life and the movement of human affairs constantly appeal to the feeling side of our nature if we understand at all what life and action mean a certain blindness exists in many people however which makes our own little joys or sorrows or fears the most remarkable ones in the world and keeps us from realizing that others may feel as deeply as we of course this self-centered attitude of mind is fatal to any true cultivation of the emotions it leads to an emotional life which lacks not only breadth and depth but also perspective literature and the cultivation of the emotions in order to increase our facility in the interpretation of the emotions through teaching us what to look for in life and experience we may go to literature here we find life interpreted for us in the ideal by masters of interpretation and looking through their eyes we see new depths and breadths of feeling which we had never before discovered indeed literature deals far more in the aggregate with the feeling side than with any other aspect of human life and it is just this which makes literature a universal language for the language of our emotions is more easily interpreted than that of our reason the smile the cry the laugh the frown the caress are understood all around the world among all peoples they are universal there is always this danger to be avoided however we may become so taken up with the overwrought descriptions of the emotions as found in literature or on the stage that the common humdrum of everyday life around us seems flat and stale the interpretation of the writer or the actor is far beyond what we are able to make for ourselves so we take their interpretation rather than trouble ourselves to look in our own environment for the material which might appeal to our emotions it is not rare to find those who easily weep over the woes of an imaginary person in a book or on the stage unable to feel sympathy for the real suffering which exists all around them the story is told of a lady at the theatre who wept over the suffering of the hero in the play and at the moment she was shedding the unnecessary tears her own coachman 
whom she had compelled to wait for her in the street, was frozen to death. Our seemingly prosaic environment is full of suggestions to the emotional life, and books and plays should only help to develop in us the power rightly to respond to these suggestions. Harm in Emotional Overexcitement Danger may exist also in still another line, namely that of emotional overexcitement. There is a great nervous strain in high emotional tension. Nothing is more exhausting than a severe fit of anger. It leaves its victim weak and limp. A severe case of fright often incapacitates one for mental or physical labor for hours, or it may even result in permanent injury. The whole nervous tone is distinctly lowered by sorrow, and even excessive joy may be harmful. In our actual everyday life, there is little danger from emotional overexcitement unless it be in the case of fear in children, as was shown in the discussion on instincts, and in that of grief over the loss of objects that are dear to us. Most of our childish fears we could just as well avoid if our elders were wiser in the matter of guarding us against those that are unnecessary. The griefs we cannot hope to escape, although we can do much to control them. Long-continued emotional excitement, unless it is followed by corresponding activity, gives us those who weep over the wrongs of humanity but never do anything to right them who are sorry to the point of death over human suffering, but cannot be induced to lend their aid to its alleviation. We could very well spare a thousand of those in the world who merely feel for one who acts, James tells us. We should watch, then, that our good feelings do not simply evaporate as feelings, but that they find some place to apply themselves to accomplish good. That we do not, like Hamlet, rave over wrongs which need to be righted, but never bring ourselves to the point where we take a hand in their writing. If our emotional life is to be rich and deep in its feeling and effective in its results on our acts and character, it must find its outlet in deeds. 4. Emotions as Motives Emotion is always dynamic, and our feelings constitute our strongest motives to action and achievement. How Our Emotions Compel Us Love has often done in the reformation of a fallen life what strength of will was not able to accomplish. It has caused dynasties to fall and has changed the map of nations. Hatred is a motive hardly less strong. Fear will make savage beasts out of men who fall under its sway, causing them to trample helpless women and children under feet, whom in their saner moments they would protect with their lives. Anger puts out all the light of reason, and prompts peaceful and well-meaning men to commit murderous acts. Thus, feeling. From the faintest and simplest feeling of interest, the various ranges of pleasures and pain, the sentiments which underlie all of our lives, and so on, to the mighty emotions which grip our lives with an overpowering strength, which is constantly urging us on to do and dare. Hence it is important, from this standpoint also, that we should have the right type of feelings and emotions well developed, and the undesirable ones eliminated. Emotional Habits 
emotion and feeling are partly matters of habit that is we can form emotional as well as other habits and they are as hard to break anger allowed to run uncontrolled leads into habits of angry outbursts while the one who habitually controls his temper finds it submitting to the habit of remaining within bounds one may cultivate the habit of showing his fear on all occasions or of discouraging its expression he may form the habit of jealousy or of confidence it is possible even to form the habit of falling in love or of so suppressing the tender emotions that love finds little opportunity for expression and here is elsewhere habits are formed through performing the acts upon which the habit rests if there are emotional habits we are desirous of forming that we have to do is to indulge the emotional expression of the type we desire and the habit will follow if we wish to form the habit of living in a chronic state of the blues then all we have to do is to be blue and act blue sufficiently and this form of emotional expression will become a part of us if we desire to form the habit of living in a happy cheerful state we can accomplish this by encouraging the corresponding expression five problems in observation and introspection one what are the characteristic bodily expressions by which you can recognize a state of anger fear jealousy hatred love grief do you know persons who are inclined to be too expressive emotionally who show too little emotional expression how would you classify yourself in this respect two are you naturally responsive to the emotional tone of others that is are you sympathetic are you easily affected by reading emotional books by emotional plays or other appeals what is the danger from overexciting the emotions without giving them a proper outlet in some practical activity? 3. Have you observed a tendency among adults not to take seriously the emotions of a child? For example, to look upon childish grief as trivial, or fear as something to be laughed at? Is the child's emotional life as real as that of the adult? Parenthetically, see Chapter 9, Bets fathers and mothers four have you known children to repress their emotions for fear of being laughed at have you known parents or others to remark about childish love affairs to the children themselves in a light or joking way ought this ever to be done five note certain children who give way to fits of anger what is the remedy note other children who cry readily what would you suggest as a cure why should ridicule not be used six have you observed any teacher using the lesson in literature or history to cultivate the finer emotions what emotions have you seen appealed to by a lesson in nature's study what emotions have you observed on the playground that needed restraint do you think that on the whole the emotional life of the child receives enough consideration in the school in the home. End of chapter 15.